You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark and Jace. This is episode number 72. If you're new to the show or whether you've been listening for a while, we appreciate you tuning into the podcast. On this show, we share the stories and strategies of everyday millionaires, and our hope is to really bring these stories to life and help all of us learn about how these millionaires have achieved great financial success. We have a new giveaway this month. The giveaway includes a copy of Sarah Fala's new book titled The Next Millionaire Next Door and a $50 Visa gift card. To enter the giveaway, we're asking that you do two things. Number one is to join our email list at millionairesunveiled.com. And two is to subscribe to our show and leave a review on either iTunes or Stitcher. A special thanks to Equity Multiple for supporting the show. One of the tried and true paths to becoming and staying a millionaire is establishing passive income streams. Perhaps the most tried and true passive income channel for savvy investors is commercial real estate. Equity Multiple connects accredited investors with pre-vetted exclusive commercial real estate investments with investment minimums as low as $10,000. With Equity Multiple, you can allocate a meaningful portion of your portfolio to professionally managed commercial real estate and create a stronger and more diversified portfolio. Head to equitymultiple.com forward slash millionaires to learn more. Again, that's equitymultiple.com forward slash millionaires. If you'd like to invest in our multifamily opportunities, feel free to reach out to us at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com, and we'll jump on a brief call with you to discuss the opportunities and strategy. We're partnering with a couple groups that have a large track record of success and high returns. We have opportunities available for both accredited and non-accredited investors in different locations throughout the country. On last week's show, we had Taylor. He has a net worth of about $7.5 million, 70% of which is invested in one small business. He doesn't own a single index fund. So an interesting interview and perspective with Taylor. If you'd like to be on the show as either a millionaire or one who's close to becoming a millionaire, send us an email. Again, that's millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. We have a special episode to release next week in which we review and provide stats of some of our most recent episodes. Along with the review, we'll release our brief discussion with Robert Kiyosaki. On this week's episode, we have Steve with a net worth of $500,000. He's 31 years old and works in IT. His wife is a teacher and they have one child. So without further delay, let's get into this episode with Steve. Steve, do you want to give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, sure. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Um, So I am 31 years old. I am married. My wife is 29. She's a teacher. I work in IT. Uh, We have one kid, three and a half, uh, and we live in the Midwest in sort of a low cost of living area and kind of been on this journey towards financial independence for about the last uh, seven or eight years. That's awesome. So you kind of started the journey right after college then, essentially. Did you kind of know you wanted to go that route right when you graduated or out of high school or... Yeah, so I graduated in May of 2011. Um, you know, my wife and I, um, we got married, like, we got married the week after, uh, graduation. <laughs> and, uh, we sort of looked around and, uh, we were both lucky enough to get jobs. You know, how difficult it was in sort of 2011, that time frame. We're making about $60,000 combined. And, you know, what really kind of led us down this path is that we had, 
about, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars of debt. So we had um my student loans. I was I had twenty thousand dollars in student loans. One of the first things we did when I got my job that summer and summer of eleven was I bought a car. Luckily, um uh, we didn't go too crazy. It was about a ten ten, eleven thousand dollar car. And then when my when my wife got a job at the end of the summer, the first thing we did for her is buy her a car. Again, we didn't get too crazy with it. We still bought another ten thousand dollar car, but we kind of sat down and looked and we were making sixty thousand dollars a year and paying $500 a month out in debt. Um, and that really sort of spurred us on this path and sort of got me into reading the blogs and uh, sort of researching what we can do to kind of get out from under that. Awesome. And, w- and what's your net worth today? So we uh, are right at 500000 today. Yeah, depending on what the market does today, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> so, and how is that broken up? Uh, so we have about $100,000 in equity in our house. We are in the house that we're in now. We have been in for almost two years. We have $100,000 in Vanguard and a brokerage account um, in BTSAX. We have $230,000 in uh, retirement. So we both max out our Roth IRAs. I have a 403B through work. Uh, my wife has a pension through the state. So you know we're counting for her the part that um, she can actually get out of it if, if she were to leave. And we have uh, an IRA that we rolled over from our previous job. So on the retirement accounts, it's about $230,000. Uh, we have about $12,000 in an HSA, $20,000 in cash, um, $10,000 in a 529. And then we have some other you know, vehicles and some other things. But all in, it's about $500,000 today. So you mentioned in, in some of the retirement accounts, you had uh, Vanguard index funds. Is that how it is in the HSAs and 529s as well as index funds kind of your thing? Yep, across the board. So, um, you know, depending, of course, on what, what the account provides us and what we can get out of it. But across the board, you know, with our brokerage account, we do BTSAX, you know, low cost index funds and everywhere else. We're uh, mostly in S&P 500 funds. Awesome. And then any, in, anything in real estate? Um, no, no real estate, no rental properties, um, just beyond, you know, the home equity that we have in the house we live in. Yeah. Have you, uh, always maxed out your HSAs as well? Yeah, so we've been maxing out the HSA for I don't know three years, four years now. We've been maxing out the Roth IRAs for four or five years. Um, I max out our four hundred three B, my four hundred three B that gets maxed out every year. Yeah, that's always been that was always the goal, sort of when we started on this path, is how can we get to a place where our income can rise enough to where we can max these vehicles out? And we just really sort of got there in the last, I think, about four years. Awesome. And what's your rate on the house? And and do you think about paying that off earlier or what's your take there? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. We right now we owe about $200,000 on the house. It's about it's 4.125%. So it's not a horrible rate. My philosophy has really been, you know, I think we're going to be able to get more for our money long term by investing you know, then if we pay it off. So my idea has been to, if we have extra cash, we just throw it into our bank, into our brokerage account. Yeah. So Steve, let's just back up a little bit here. So you started with 30,000 in debt, right? You were making 60 K. So that's whatever, 40,000 or something after taxes. That's got to be pretty overwhelming, right? To say, okay, we're taking home 40 ish and we have 30,000 in debt. How did you kind of go about attacking that and saying, hey, we're going to get out of underneath and then, you know, quickly you've grown to, to 500000 in net worth? Yeah. So, you know, that that very first year when we had that, you know, uh, that $30,000 in debt, we had $60,000 in income. 
what I did was I, I sort of lined up the items that we had. Again, I had about twenty thousand in student uh, student loan debt, and we actually had about forty thousand dollars in debt. I had twenty thousand in student student loan debt, ten thousand in vehicle one, and ten thousand in vehicle two. And the way that we started got out from under it is I lined up the uh, the lowest amount that we owed. So it was like vehicle one was I think maybe nine thousand, and we really attacked that first until we got that paid off. We emptied up, you know, when that amount of money going out every month sort of opened up, we we applied it towards the next uh, li- uh, item in the line, which is vehicle number two, and we just sort of snowballed our way out of it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You kind of did the Dave Ramsey snowball. Yep. And were you guys, are you Dave Ramsey people or? So I think so like a lot of people, when we get into the, um, you know, when I think our, your first, when your first connection with personal finance is sort of getting out of debt, I think a lot of people fall into the Dave Ramsey camp at first, which is where I started, you know, listening to his podcast. You know, I did that early on and have since sort of graduated to some of the financial independence uh, blogs and podcasts. Gotcha. And then how long did it take you to pay off that debt? So it took about three years to get everything everything done. I think it was like two and a half years. Okay. And were you investing along the way or did you kind of just attack everything at that debt and say, you know, let's get that paid off and then we'll move on to investing? Yeah, no, we were still investing. So I was um, I was doing the match with my 403B, which at the time was actually pretty good. The match that my employer offered was 8%. So I was getting up to that. Um, and we were maxing out, uh, or close to maxing out our Roth IRAs. So we're kind of doing a mixture of both. 8% is pretty incredible for a company match. Yeah, it's 10% now. Oh, 10%. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. So as far as allocation goes, you, you told us about that. Do you have any plans to change it? Do you have any plans to invest in real estate or small business? Or are you kind of sticking to the markets and sticking to these retirement accounts and HSAs and 529s? Yeah, so the, the, our plan is to stick with the investment accounts. You know, I with the with the three-year-old at home, I don't know if we really want to dedicate the time that it would take to, say, be a landlord. Um, and invest in real estate. Uh, maybe once we get to our financial independence number, we have sort of some flexibility or at least a little more flexibility. It might be something we go down. But yeah, for right now, it's just going to be sticking with the investment accounts. Awesome. And and as you kind of graduate, you said from Dave Ramsey to some of these blogs or books or what was influential to you? Is there something that kind of stood out and, and helped you understand things, whether that was a book or a website or a podcast? What kind of helped you make that turn and, and learn about some of these investing strategies? Sure. So I think like a lot of people, it was uh, going down the rabbit hole of Mr. Money Mustache and reading the, uh, um, you know, shockingly simple math. Um, that was one of the first things I sort of stumbled upon when I was getting into the financial independence movement. Um, and it kind of really went from there. So I've been reading um, him since 2012 or 13, was a really early uh, reader of the 1500 Days. More recently, I've been listening to, you know, the Choose FI podcast. Uh, a huge fan of JL Collins and the simple path to wealth. Um, so I kind of try to consume as much as I can and sort of take nuggets from here and there, but, um, it's kind of across the board now. Yeah. I think that's similar to, to even the millionaires that we've interviewed, right? Everybody comes on and says, Hey, I, I focused on learning. I focused on education and, and maybe it's just learning in, in a certain investment type, but that's one commonality they all share is, is they focus on education. They focus on learning and, and they continually try to improve. Yeah, and that's sort of what we got. You know, when I when we first started with our Roth IRAs, we were in you know pretty high fee uh, mutual funds back in 2011, 2012. Uh, but again, stumbling upon you know um, JL Collins and the Simple Path of Wealth and some of his writings, 
you know, you kind of pick up some of these nuggets and, and make s- some of these small changes in your life. And one of them was a move to index funds. You know, you read Mr. Money Mustache and it's about, okay, how can you, you know, max out accounts and how can you sort of li- live a frugal life? So you kind of try to pick up as much as you can. Yeah. So how did you guys make sure you were on the same board or same page? How did you kind of work together in saying, this is our goal and this is where we want to get to and this is how much we're going to save a month or this is how much we're going to spend. This is, you know, our discretionary. How did you get together on that? So, you know, I've been lucky to have um, a very supportive partner throughout all this process. I think part of us was we really looked at early on that the debt that we were paying off and we said, we really want to have a flexible life to be able to kind of do whatever we want to do. We want to be able to uh, spend on vacations and not have to worry about how we're going to make uh, the mortgage payment. We want to be able to make purchases that we um, for things that we want and not have to worry about what it means for the budget. So for us, that meant how can we accumulate you know enough money that those things just don't matter as much anymore. Um, and we've kind of, you know, philosophically have been on that same, those, those, that, that same feeling since the beginning. And we're very lucky too that we both just naturally live a very frugal lifestyle. I've been tracking our spending for the past three or four years. And no matter what we do, uh, we always come in at spending about the exact same amount every year. Um, and about the exact same amount every month, which is roughly $4,4200 a month, even when we don't budget which we rarely do. Uh, we kind of just spend as we need to spend. We always come in at the same number. So I think we naturally have a frugal lifestyle. But for us, it's always been about the sort of flexibility that we want. So that's about 50000 bucks a year you guys are spending. Yeah, roughly. So we spend about $4,200 a month and we take home about $7,200 a month. And what are your biggest expenses? Uh, so our mortgage is probably, our, our mortgage and um, mortgage insurance and taxes is number one. Uh, that's about $1,500 a month. And then daycare would be number two. So that's about $800 a month, roughly. And and that's just, you shared with us prior to the show. So just for our listeners, that's because you and your wife are both working full time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're both working. Uh, our our, our, uh, our three-year-old right now, he's three and a half, is in daycare. So at least for another year and a half, we have that $800 payment. And we're looking very much forward to uh, when we can get rid of that. <laughs> Do you know what your uh, ROI has been on your investments for the last, I don't know, five, six years or so? So I don't know the ROI on the investments, but I can tell you how much my net worth has increased every year over the last seven years. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. So uh, my average increase in net worth since 2012 is 68.89% per year. And that's saving, I think you told us, 5500 a month. Is that correct? Yep, 5500 a month. Wow. And that's, that's about what it increases every year. And that 5500 a month, that's really within the last uh, like three years. So do you mind kind of maybe digging in since you've got those numbers, kind of mm-hmm. just kind of paint the journey like, hey, I, you know, I started at negative 40 and then I went to this and I went to that. What did that kind of look like? And on average, you're putting in, you know, between probably what, three to five to now up to 5500 a year or I mean a month. Sure. So when I when we when we graduated in May of 2011, we had a net worth of about $10,000. Um, I was lucky, we were lucky enough that my wife, uh, had no debt coming out of graduation. It was just mine. Um, and we had some assets, you know, gifts for graduation, things like that. So we had about $10,000 net worth in the summer of 2011. And we hit, we didn't hit $100,000 net worth until February of 2015. So it took us a little over three years to get to that point. 
you know, since about then, we've been saving almost $60,000 a year. Um, and we've gone from $100,000 net worth in February of 15 to $500,000 now in what, November, December of 2018. And it's just through uh, sustained investing every month. So every month put almost $2,200 in my 403B. Every month we max out, every year we max out our Roth IRAs. We do about $2,000 a month into our brokerage account. It's just been, uh, you know, we've been lucky in the last couple of years that this has really grown to almost, again, about $500,000 today. Uh, but it was pretty slow going at first. I think like a lot of people experience, you know, it was, um, took us a while to get that first hundred thousand. Yeah. It's like a, the whole, the whole theory of, of gradually and then suddenly. It's like gradually, gradually, gradually. And then suddenly like, oh, wow, it's like 500 already. And now I think you shared with us before the show that path to million is, is in the near four, four or five years or less potentially. So yeah, that'd be the goal. The goal would be to get to a million by the time I'm 35, which is, you know, about four years. So rewind here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the way that, that you grew up and kind of the household that you grew up in and, and mindset on money and, and maybe even your wife too and kind of how how the two minds met to, to get to where you are today. So the, the stories of that could not be uh, more different. <laughs> My wife is a third generation college graduate. She comes from a very long line of you know white collar uh, workers in her family. They, she, her family grew up never really needing or wanting anything. Money was just nothing, was, was really never a focus in her family. It was just always there. You know, uh, she was lucky to have all of her college, uh, paid for. So, you know, again, compare that to me where we grew up, uh, sort of my childhood was money was extremely scarce. You know, there were times where, you know, we could feel that, you know, we didn't, we never went without, but we never really had anything in excess. You know, I didn't have, uh, my parents didn't have money to send me to college. So, you know, that's where the debt came in. I had to buy my own car, that kind of stuff, right? Strikingly different attitudes towards money. I think that that has to come from the way that we grew up, where it was a little more scarce in my family than it was with, was in hers. Yeah, that's interesting. So how did, how did you two kind of reconcile some of those differences and how you were going to live your life, you know, going forward and what you were expected to make and kind of what the goals were that, that you had in mind? Yeah. So, you know, I think we were both lucky that even though my, my wife comes from a sort of a fairly privileged upbringing, um, she was relatively frugal in the way that she uh, operated and she still is today. Uh, I don't quite know where that comes from, but, you know, maybe it's, you know, her and I, we've, we've been together since we were 18. So, you know, I think there's a, a bit of growing together that we did. But, you know, in terms of, I think one of the biggest things for us is when we found out that we were going to have our kid. Um, so we're talking 2014 when we found this out is we really at that point, that's really, I think when things kicked into high gear for us and we said, you know, we don't want to struggle to go on vacations with him. Uh, we don't want to struggle to provide or to make sure that, uh, you know, we could pay the bills or provide, you know, him the life that, that we want to provide. And I think that was really just sort of a shared mindset we've had. Yeah, that, I think that's awesome that, that you two have been able to kind of do that and, and kind of grow together in that way. So were these goals that you've kind of attained, you know, 500K at, at 30-ish, let's call it, and then a million by 35, were those things that you set, you know, say a decade ago or even just five years ago? Or was this kind of something okay. that's been, hey, every year we'll reevaluate where we can kind of hit the goal or get to next? Actually, yeah, we, so we set those goals back when we were, you know, 
23 and 21. Uh, like we just came out of college. Again, we were sort of dealing with that, paying $500 a month for debt. You know, we were only making, bringing home maybe 40 or $35,000 take home. You know, we weren't, we weren't, uh, thriving, uh, but we weren't, you know, doing that poorly. And we kind of said, okay, what do we need to do to where, uh, what sort of future of ours look like where we don't have some of these struggles where we have to say ship out $500 a month for debt where, you know, we really need to be, we had to be money conscious very early on because, you know, we, we didn't make a lot. And over the break, again, my wife's a teacher. Um, I had some time off and I remember over the, over the winter break of 2011, uh, we were six months out of college. I sat down and we sat down together and we wrote a seven year plan, uh, of exactly where we want to be by the time. And that it was at that time, by the time I was about to turn 30. And on that list was $500,000 net worth. And we sort of backtracked it and said, okay, what do we need to do by next year uh, to get us on that path? What do we need to be doing two years from now and three years from now? And we sort of mapped out all of our uh, accounts, so our, our cash, our retirement accounts, our house. Um, all the, we listed out all the debts that we had. And we just made a plan and said, okay, three years in, we need to have this amount of debt paid off. And we need to have this in assets. Five years in, this is where we need to be. And then seven years in, by the time I hit 30, this is where we need to be. Um, we've since expanded that. We have it basically uh, a financial plan mapped out all the way through uh, 2027 uh, when I'll turn 40. And it's just sort of backtracking from there. Um, so a big part of that has been how can we grow our income? Um, like I said, my our income when we first uh, started out in 2011 was 60000 We will clear 130000 this year. Anytime we got a raise, anytime we had extra money, we referred to the plan. <laughs> And we said, okay, we need to have this uh, car paid off by this year. So any extra money needs to go towards that. Um, and we've kind of been working it for the past seven years. Wow, that's incredible. So a, a few places to go here. So income from 60 to 130. Yep. Has your, and you mentioned your lifestyle really hasn't changed that much. Yeah, it's almost the exact same. Uh, our house payment went up about $600 a month, but that's the only thing that's really increased. And daycare, of course, because we didn't have a kid when we first started out. Everything else is pretty much the same. Have you had to really work at, at telling yourself no on things or, or you kind of have the personality where you're you're happy to live frugally and happy to save and that's kind of the bigger picture? Yeah, we're really bigger picture people. Um, and we, you know, we just don't need, we don't feel like we need all that much stuff, uh, you know, to, to, to thrive or survive every day. You know, like I said, when we started out with $60,000 combined income, we were spending almost almost all of our take-home pay, or pretty close to all of our take-home pay, uh, which was about $40,000-ish a year. Uh, maybe 35000 was what we were actually spending back in 2011, 2012. Uh, this year, we'll spend about $50,000 on $130,000 of income, of take-home, of, of, of gross income. Um, and most of that increase has been from daycare. Daycare is almost ten thousand dollars a year. Um, so maybe our maybe our lifestyle has increased about five thousand uh, dollars over the last seven years. But it's always been, you know, very very little in terms of what we need. Um, and we just put everything that we have extra into investments and savings. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you guys. And 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 going back to your goals, I think it's pretty remarkable that you set those a while back and then you've been able to achieve them. Right? I think at least from the millionaires that we've interviewed and talked to, oftentimes they set goals and, and they either reach them and they think, oh, geez, you know, I, I really set that too low or too high. And and it's pretty amazing that you've been right on track with what you've set from the beginning. 
Yeah. And, you know, every year we kind of um, go in and we look at where we're at and we might adjust a couple of things. Um, like, for example, when we first started out, the plan was 500,000 by 30 and a million by 40. Of course, you know, uh, we're going to get there much, much faster than that, probably to the million mark. So we've adjusted those things a little bit. But uh, by and large, we've sort of mapped it out. It's it's sort of all written down where we want to be. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said millionaire by 35 or 40 or, you know, the initial goal is 40. You'll probably reach it by 35. Do you have a, a goal, either a passive income goal or a net worth goal for, you know, down the road for 50 or whatever your end goal is? Yeah. So the the goal we have now is 2 million by 40. I think that one's going to be, that's probably a, a reach. Uh, we'll see if we can get there. But I think if we hit two million by forty, uh, we'll be pretty comfortable uh, either retiring or at least drastically changing sort of uh, our lifestyle in terms of what we do. Gotcha. So two million is kind of the number. What about a uh, passive income, or does any of that interest you, or more of just a net worth goal? It's really just a net worth goal. Um, I'm not opposed to passive income and having rental properties. Uh, I'm just it hasn't really been sort of a thought or uh, something we've really considered to this point. Sure. And I assume the answer to this is no, but have you ever used a financial advisor? Uh, no, we haven't. Uh, it's all been done ourselves. And and do you think about that changing at all or having another set of eyes kind of review what you're thinking about or, or not so much? Yeah, so maybe. I think what, actually one of our goals when we hit uh, the million dollar mark is to set up a trust. Um, at that point, we might find that it's necessary to get a financial advisor we'll to evaluate when we get to that point. Awesome. Do you think about taxes and inflation? Do those things kind of go into your, your planning for the future? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, like right now, one of the things that we try to do is fill up a lot of different kinds of account buckets. So, you know, we have our pre-tax accounts, we have our post-tax accounts, we have our brokerage account. Um, I'm trying to make sure that we have some flexibility when we get to that end goal. Uh, but it really just hasn't been that much of a, uh, a concern. You know, like we max out all of our, uh, I max out my 403B so we can reduce our taxes now, but I just really haven't thought much about it. Awesome. So I want to dive into some rapid fire questions here before we get into some mistakes and advice and, and wrap up. So what's the most expensive pair of pants you've ever purchased? Uh, uh, maybe $30. Okay. Most expensive shoes? Um, I bought a pair of running shoes, I think two years ago, and they were, I think, 75 or $100. Okay, most expensive car. Um, the one that I still drive today, it was ten thousand dollars. Okay, most expensive meal out that you've paid for? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, maybe for my wife and I, we had maybe a hundred dollar meal once. Okay, uh, what item or items or experiences are worth spending more money on to you? To me, the the experiences that we can share, uh, all three of us, my wife and my uh, my son. Um, you know, when there's things that we can do together, I'm all for, uh, spending extra on that. Okay. And what's not worth the money? What are you trying to save on? Uh, just like, you know, mindless consumer products, you know, do we really need the latest iPhone? Do we really need, uh, the most up-to-date, uh, computer? Um, you know, we really do our best to stay away from some of that just sort of, uh, consumerism for consumerism's sake. Okay. High school and college GPA? Like three, five for both. Okay. Favorite books. Kind of talked about this a little bit. 
Yeah. So, I mean, in terms on the, on the finance side, I really enjoyed uh, the simple path to wealth. And I also, one of the ones that I read early on was the millionaire next door, which I thought was uh, excellent. Awesome. And do you have a favorite tech tool or website or budgeting app or, you know, any kind of tool that you've used that have, has helped get you to where you are that you recommend? Yeah, we use, uh, I use Mint for tracking our spending and I can't speak enough about how important it is to know what you have coming in and what you have coming out. So you mentioned you, you don't budget, but you're aware you're spending. Yeah, we don't say like, um, we, yeah, we track spending, but we don't like start by saying, okay, we're going to spend this amount of money on groceries this month. It just happens that it always ends up being about the same amount of money. Sure. So has, has, you know, you're young, right? You have a net worth of 500,000. Has that affected your confidence and happiness levels or are people aware of your net worth? So I think my family is a little aware as much as they, you know, we don't, we don't talk about it openly necessarily. I think it's definitely impacted the way I view, uh, how I interact at work. Um, and I'm at a point now to where, uh, if something were ever to happen at work and I were to lose my job and my wife maintained her job, we would be fine. You know, we've, I've, I've done uh, the calculations plenty of times. Like if I get fired tomorrow, what happens? And basically the answer is we could probably survive for at least a decade without having to worry too much about it. So I think that gives me a different level of confidence when I'm at work and a different level of how much I really care, um, about, you know, the inner office politics and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. Would you say that you love your job? I do. I really like it. I don't know if I'm going to do it for another 30 years. You know, I don't mind going in every day. I don't mind what I do. I like the people I work with. But to me, having the money on the side has always been this sort of liberating, uh, you know, freedom thing that if I can get to that point, I, I reserve the right to then change my mind, how I feel about it. That's an interesting way to think about it. Would you say that Loving what you've been doing and, and enjoying your job has been critical to, to receiving the raises and, and increasing your income that you have the way that you have. I think so. So I went like my, my income when I started was $43,000. I'll make 90 this year. Um, and I've been there seven and a half years uh, with the employer. You know, I like what I do. Um, I like the people I work with. I'm happy to go in and, and, and do that work. And I think that does have an impact on how uh, you're viewed by uh, management and how you're viewed by people who make the decisions of who gets raises. And it just so happens that's been beneficial for us as a family. So I've been able to almost double my, in- uh, more than double my income. And, you know, it's nice to have that sort of frugality on the back end where I can say, okay, I'm going to double my income and I'm going to save that entire uh, part of it that's been doubled, right? How, m- how many hours would you say you work per week? Uh, 40 to 50. Okay. And how much time would you say that you spend on, on investing or learning? Oh man. Uh, probably 20, 15 per week or just, yeah, maybe 10 or 15 a week on, you know, either tracking accounts or reading up on blogs or listening to podcasts, maybe 15. That's crazy. It's almost like, you know, tracking and, and investing and learning is almost like a part-time job almost for you. Yeah. So I, that's the way I think of it. You know, if we're not, if we're not continually growing, uh, on the personal side, then, you know, what's the point, right? Yeah. So just to kind of conclude here, what, what advice would you give somebody who's, who's just starting out and maybe even share some of the, maybe the mistakes that you've made along the way that you would steer others away from? Sure. So one of the one thing, if I so if I could do it all over again, I would really evaluate how much debt I took for student loans. 
I got lucky. $20,000 is not that much in student loan debt. I know some people who are graduating with $75,000, $80,000. It's worth assessing what that looks like. Can you go to community college for two years, work on the side, pay for all of it, and then transfer into a four-year school? Uh, do you really need to go to the private, private liberal arts school that charges $40,000 a year? Or can you go to the state school, uh, cheaper uh, uh, tuition? Again, I, I think uh, we did pretty, I did pretty well. But if I was going through it all over again right now, I would really hope to think that through, uh, knowing that I don't want to, I don't want to spend four years getting a, a degree I can get pretty much anywhere else and walk out with say $75,000 of debt. So that's one. I would really think through some of those decisions. I would think through what my major is. Uh, if I was a college student, you know, while getting a, a degree in English or philosophy might seem like a really good idea. You really need to think about what the job outcomes are. Get a job, uh, get, major in something that you know is going to come out with a decent income, a decent salary. Hopefully that you enjoy it, right? We want you to enjoy it, but that, that's something I think people need to think about. And then once you do graduate or once you get out there, uh, really think about the debt that you take on. Do you need a $20,000 or $30,000 brand new car or can you buy a used vehicle for $10,000? Um, and can it, and can that be sufficient? Uh, really think through the consumerism again. Do you need the brand new iPhone or not? Usually the answer is no, you don't need it. You want the, uh, the new iPhone. So those are something, if I was just starting out, those again are things that I would think through and try to eliminate debt as quickly as possible. Yeah. The net worth of $500,000. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.